Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March 15, and our chapter reading for today is Judges chapter 16. This is a sad, sad chapter, but it ends triumphantly with the repentance of Samson and he calling out upon the name of the Lord and God winning a mighty victory over the Philistines. But let's go back to the beginning of the chapter as we look at this pitiful man who had rejected God in spite of his blessing, in spite of his birth, in spite of his mother and father's prayers. And we see what happens when a man does what is in his heart to do instead of what God tells him to do. When I was a boy, I remember going out into the pasture field where our horses were and I jumped on the back of one and decided I would just ride to the barn. What I didn't realize was that as I jumped on the back of that horse, he took off to the barn and I thought, man, this is wonderful. I'm going to ride back to the barn. But the closer he got to the barn, the faster he went. And I'm telling you, I was holding on to that horse. I was all over his back, holding on to the mane. And he was running, galloping full speed and headed right for that barn. And I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. I hit that horse in the head. I shouted. I did everything I could, slapped his ears. The barn was coming up quickly, and ultimately I had to jump off and nearly broke my neck. And I thought I had. But that horse was headed toward the barn. Now, for those of you who have grown up around horses, you know what happened. That horse got its head. That means that the horse had the advantage because I did not have a bit and a bridle in its mouth. And this is exactly what happened to Samson. Samson got his head, and God, in his great wisdom, just let Samson run his head into a brick wall. And that's exactly what he did. And Samson, from it seems early on, was determined to be beguiled by a woman. Now think about it. This was the instance of a man who had already been burned by a woman. But what did he do? He went right back to the very thing that had gotten him in trouble to start with. The Bible says in verse 16, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. And when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night in the gate of the city. Now, a couple of things I want to bring out of this passage. Number one, there are two words for harlot in the Hebrew text. One is for a a religious harlot, as you would read about the groves and the idol worship and the prostitutes that were religious in nature 
and they would prostitute themselves as part of pagan rituals, perform sexual acts as rites of fertility and so forth. That's one word. But this is the word for a street harlot. And Samson just went to the lowest part of the city and hired out a harlot, and he got himself in trouble again because they were watching for him. By the way, the enemy always is watching for the man of God. The enemy is always roaring about seeking whom he may devour. And here was Samson as a ready target. And the scripture says that they lay in wait all night. It says they were quiet all night saying in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low until midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two doorposts, pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Now, you just have to understand where he was. This was a long way. And these men, many of the ancient gates were very narrow, and they had rooms. Many of them were two stories, what we would call two stories. They had rooms inside the gate. They'd be like a double gate. They would have what we would call in some instances a cubbyhole. And evidently, these men were in this room, and Samson got through. And then what he did, while they were not paying any attention, he literally pulled the bar of these gates up, which would have been extremely heavy. What a feat this was. And the scripture says that he carried them to the top of a hill that was facing Hebron up on the hill. He did this to show his strength and might. And so this was an incredible gesture on his part. The people were frightened of him because he was so strong. God was with him in spite of everything. And then it says in verse 4, afterward happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek. Now, let me just tell you, Sarek is one of the most beautiful valleys in all of Israel. It is beautiful. And it runs for a long way. And you can go to the plain of that valley that runs by Beit Shemesh. Many of you have been to Beit Shemesh in the Sorek Valley, and it is a sprawling uh, town today, a sprawling city. Many Orthodox Jews live there. It's on the outskirts. It's the suburbs of Jerusalem as you go out to Tel Aviv. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And this is where Delilah lived. The scripture says that as he fell for her, that the leaders of the Philistines came and offered her a huge sum of money. It says that they wanted her to find out the source of his strength and so that they could bind him and deliver him to a place of prison or to mock him and ridicule him. And so they asked Delilah to betray him, to gain his confidence and then betray him. And they offered her 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I've looked at this two or three ways, and I've come up with about 100 pounds, about 100 pounds of silver. This would have been the five lords of the Philistines offering up each one of them an equal amount, and this would have been a lot 
of money. And it would have done Delilah for a long time, and she knew it. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your grave strength lies and with what you may be bound with to afflict you. Now, that ought to have given him a hint. So, you know, Samson at this point was, let me say, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. This just went on, and Samson was toying with her and toying with her. And then it says that she got upset with him, and she said, you're just doing this, and, and you're making fun of me, and you're mocking me. And then she said in verse 15, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies, and it came to pass. Oh, my, it always does. When she pestered him daily with her words, the scripture says it is better to live on a rooftop and just be out in the open elements than to live in the house with a nagging woman. Now, ladies, don't get upset with me. Men have their own issues. But I'm just telling you what the scripture says. I'm the messenger boy. Now, don't get upset with me. I'm just telling you what it says. But she pestered him. She nagged him. She did it daily, day in and day out. She pressed him. That means she was on his case so that his soul was vexed to death i mean he you would think he would have just left and left her high and dry but he didn't he was so swooning over her that he told her all his heart and said to her no razor has ever come upon my head he told her this for i have been a nazarite to god from my mother's womb you could say and i could well in some ways you were and i've never been shaven and if i am then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And then the scripture goes on to say that that's what she had done. She put him to sleep on her knees. That is, she was petting him and rubbing him. And, and all of a sudden he felt relaxed and went to sleep. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at the other time and shake myself free. But listen to this. This may be one of the top five saddest sentences in all of the Bible. But he, that is Samson, did not know that the Lord had departed from him. You see, the Spirit of God came upon people before Pentecost, but then the Spirit of God would leave people. That's right. People who were anointed for a particular task that were men of God, and they would go out and God would anoint them, even many who you would say, I don't see how the Lord uses them. Well, I don't see how the Lord uses any of us, but God does. But before Pentecost, the Spirit of God would come upon Samson, but then the Lord would depart from him. The Spirit of God would not be on him. The Bible says of King Saul, the Spirit of God came upon him. And then the Bible says that the Spirit of God left him and God sent an evil spirit on him. And David, King David, godly King David, prayed in his confession after he had sinned before God with Bathsheba in Psalm 51. One of the things he prayed was, and you can tell so much by a man by the way he prays and really as he cries out to God. And not only was he praying for a clean heart, for a right spirit, but he said, please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, David knew of the great stories of Samson and other great men 
of God who had come to the point of where God had departed from them. He had seen it in Saul, his predecessor. And he said, oh God, I have walked in their footsteps. Please don't depart from me. Listen to me. The child of God in this era in which we live since Pentecost, we will never have to pray that because the Bible says the Spirit of God has come to live in our hearts forever. That's the great miracle of Pentecost. The Spirit of God comes to live in our hearts, never to leave us again. The Spirit of God comes to take up residence in our heart. We are the Naan, the Naas. We are the Holy of Holies, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth. What? Do you not know that your body is the very naan, the very holy of holies? Not the holy place, not the outer court, but the very place where God dwells. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. So Samson came to the point in his life to where the Spirit of God departed from him. And they came upon him. They put him in prison. They put his eyes out. That's right. He was blinded by them. And they took him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze fetters. And he became a grinder in the prison. That was just, he was just grinding away instead of a mule, instead of a donkey, instead of a burra. He was uh, the man of strength. And they shaved his head off, but they were unaware. They had forgotten that it was the source of his strength. God was the source of his strength, but God had done that in accordance with a vow that had to do with the length of his hair. And so the scripture says that his hair began to grow. And they would bring him out to perform in front of them so they could mock him and ridicule not only him, but his God. He had become a reproach to God himself. When they were in their temple, they brought him out and they were going to show off their prize, Samson, that they'd captured and that they had beguiled. And Delilah, no doubt, she was living it up. There were about 3,000 people there. And so Samson said to the young man who was leading him around, remember, he was blind. He said, could you get me just to the pillars of the place, the, the main pillars that hold up this place so I could lean on them so that I could brace myself? And he did brace himself with them. Scripture says that he cried out to God. Now listen to this. He said, Lord, it said he called out to the Lord, the personal name of God, all caps, saying, oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right hand and one on the other. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that He killed at his death were more than they that he killed in his life. But what a tragedy that it had to come to that. May God help us to learn the lessons of Samson and to flee youthful lust and to flee unrighteousness and run to the refuge of Jesus, who is our Savior, our God. And it's there where we'll find solace. It's there where we will find refuge. It is there where we will find safety from the arrows of the adversary. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.